Welcome to episode number seven of the Peer Review Podcast. In this episode, we ask scientist Dr. Dario Prodi, Dr. Sam Merlin, and Professor Bronwyn Ackerman their experiences of doing a PhD. What were the best bits? What were the worst? Would they do things differently if they had their time again? The questions are provided by the Bosch Young Investigators of the University of Sydney. Hi, my name is Ben. Uh, my question really gets down to the where you drive intrinsic motivation to complete your PhD. Uh, over the last few months, I've got contradictory information about the purpose of PhDs, um, mainly kind of summarising to no one cares what your PhD is about, um, just get it done. And if you're going to shine, don't shine during your PhD, shine during your postdoc. Um, I tend to agree with aspects of that, but it does seem counter to the whole purpose of intrinsic motivation of completing a PhD. Um, so I'm interested in your thoughts about how do you actually grapple with that. Professor Bronwyn Ackerman. Uh, I might start with this because I'm perhaps a little bit unusual in that I chose to do a PhD because I had a big passion for an area. What I learnt from starting the PhD is that you can only achieve a certain amount. And so sometimes you have to look at your PhD within the context of the broader field you're studying and recognise that no matter what you can get done, it's still very important and relevant, but, but keep in mind the bigger picture and your very important role in it. Dr Sam Merlin. Uh, so I got into a PhD basically uh, through being a perpetual student. I eventually got there. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do and then as I went on I started being directed um, through things that I liked into more and more the research side of things. And um, I think to me the... I wouldn't say don't shine during your PhD or anything like that. I would say the whole purpose of your PhD, in a way, it doesn't, it's not important what you do it on. Uh, so in that respect, it's not important. No one cares about what you do. But you have to show that you are getting the foundation of independence in your PhD. So I wouldn't say that no one cares, but it doesn't matter what it's on. You can still do a postdoc in other things, but you're proving during your PhD that you have this sort of um, independent thought and you can f- complete projects and that sort of thing. The pursuit of the cure for disease and other scientific endeavours is a long road. It takes huge amounts of time from writing grants, doing experiments and analysing data. How do scientists fit in, well, work-life balance? (laughs) How do you achieve that or do you achieve that? I think we go through phases where we lose sight of it and we have to regain in and it's very hard to avoid that because you have periods in active experiments where you literally have to keep up a certain amount of momentum and and this can be something that's very challenging. I had three babies during my PhD. I think um, I had to go part-time, take time off, make things work around it. I think, as Katie said before, the fact that you have flexible working hours, you have to take time to prioritise like your children if you need to at that moment because you'll be able to find other time that you can, can do things. So I do think it is a challenge. You've heard from all of us that we get very busy in our lives and doing things, but I think it's very important to to try and look at your research and your career in light of your life and not to, to lose track of that because it can very easily 
absorb your every waking moment if you're not careful. So I think it, it also, if, if you make an effort to keep up your general health, your general life and social life, you're actually going to be a lot healthier and probably get a lot more productive work done in any case. So avoiding burnout is a very important uh, component. Dr Dario Protti. Yeah, I fully agree with Bronwyn and, and definitely we should hear what she said. She had three babies during her PhD. Uh, obviously for men it's much easier from that point of view, even when we can be parents. Now, uh, in most of the cases, when you are doing your PhD, you don't have that commitment of a family, right? So you might have a partner, um, but you don't have a family. And don't get me wrong, uh, once you have a family, then you look back and you wonder, what did I use to do before, <laughs> right? Uh, that's true. Then you realize, I had the day, had 24 hours. What was I doing with all that time? when now I'm still spending time with my family, I'm working, and I try to have a life outside work, right? Um, so I think, in a way, uh, you are in a very privileged situation to keep that work-life balance as a PhD student, and, and we acknowledge that your work might take a lot of time and you might spend many, many hours in the lab. Uh, however, I think you there are some critical stages, like when you're approaching the end of your PhD, that you realize that you're working much more than what you used to, but you are driven to do that. And, and ideally, you are doing that because you want to finish and you want to move on, right? Um, but, yeah, it's something that you always have to keep in mind and, and try to keep that balance. The Peer Review Podcast is brought to you by POCD Scientific, an Australian-owned manufacturer of quality stains and other reagents for pathology, a supplier of solvents, and also a distributor of many brands of scientific equipment and consumables for the Life Science Laboratory. You can visit POCD Scientific at their website, www.pocd.com.au. The currency of science is publication. So much so that for a scientific career, it's publish or perish. So, how can we publish more often? There's lots of different information out there about publishing things, what you should publish, what you shouldn't publish. Um, you should write these huge papers that you only ever submit to nature because that's what your supervisor wants. But the reality of what postdoc supervisors, employers want, that is output. It doesn't have to be in nature. It has to be published. It has to be completed. So there are lots of things that you can do that don't involve three years' worth of planning experiments, conducting experiments, and then analysing data, writing papers, and then getting it published. That all takes a long time. We know that. And you do have to do that, but there are other things you can do at the same time. There are things called journal club. Uh, Dario's done this. I've done this in the past as well. The Journal of, Neuro of Physiology has what's called journal club, Essentially, you write a review of a paper that's been published in the last 
six months, I think, in the journal. You don't have to add any new data. It's just a review. Even things like podcasts, these are publications in a sense. You can put these on your CV and things like that. I don't think there's any argument that doing a PhD in any field, but particularly in science, is tough. There are plenty of ups, but with those ups come some pretty big downs. What was a low light of your PhD and what did you learn? It's maybe not, not a low light, but probably the biggest, one of the biggest aha moments for me was in writing my thesis. Uh, my, I'd been accumulating this writing for years and I got to the point where um, it was a ramble of, of nonsensical work that didn't flow and I got to a point where I still wanted to keep it in because I'd spent so long accumulating it and I had to get to the stage where I just crossed out whole pages. And once I got to that, it was everything was so much better. And since then, I've learnt that just because I had the idea doesn't make it a good idea. And so I'm happy to, to throw away work that I'd done before in order to improve it in the end. So... Yeah, it was it was awful. My first draft of my thesis. So, I actually think perhaps on that I was trying to think, but, uh, but for me maybe just the amount of time it takes to put this book together. I had a friend who'd done a PhD, who handed hers in shortly before me, and she said, "Treat it like the birth. Just make a due date and aim for it and do it because you can obsess over this forever. You can get very attached to these." 20 pages you think you can't live without and really at the end of the day you have to also make that decision. So for me the lowest point I think was just how, how much time it takes to write this thesis at the end. Don't underestimate this, like trying to get together this culmination of things. That was far more than I anticipated. I agree with Sam. That's something that is is—it's very hard but it's good when you can get to learning how to when you when you realize well i have to get rid of this right and we all have our pet hypotheses and our great ideas that sometimes they turned out not to be that great <laughs> uh, and and when you learn to acknowledge that and uh, that's it's hard but at the same time it's good right if you were starting your phd today what would you do differently? I don't know that I would do anything differently. I, I, I kind of started without really knowing what I wanted to do. And then I used the first year or so to really form the way that the, the PhD would go. And, and that's where I am today. So I don't know that I would change that much. I don't know. I, I mean, I did an unusual PhD in that I was quite interested in a lot of different things, so I learned a whole lot of different skills. It wasn't like perhaps you're saying in your PhD you get very good at one skill and then do others. So I did, in particular, three very disparate kind of experiments. They, they had a theme, but very different methodology. And in a way, I would say that wasn't the wisest thing as a PhD student, because it's very challenging learning all this new technology. And yet, 
it sort of turns out it was good afterwards because you had quite a broad uh, range of skills. So I don't know. Uh, it is hard to hard to think through what things you would do differently. I mean, you know so much more now. <laughs> I mean, in some ways you can look at it and go, well, if I was this good at epidemiology back then, I would have saved a lot of time. <laughs> but that's, that's not what it's like. I mean, you are learning. It depends very much on the field that you're working on, but um, you, you can always think, oh, well... I could have learned a bit more of computer programming or a bit more of molecular biology. So there are always different things that you realize in hindsight that you could have learned a bit more and could have helped you a bit. Um, so one, one of the things that we spoke about before is to offer your strengths but also you have to work on your weaknesses, right? So you, when you go to, to the lab, you can offer and try to do what you do best. But if you can recognize your weak points, uh, I think it's always good if you can work on that. So let's say if it's computer programming, try to work hard to, to learn a bit more, to, to improve in that. Uh, so it's, it's something that for each of you it might be different, uh, but I think the idea is to try to, to improve in those things that you're not that good. But surely it's not all regrets. What's your favourite thing about being a scientist? It's really fun to be a scientist, right? So you get to go to work and have fun doing the experiments that you think are interesting. So definitely, uh, I don't think many people can go to their jobs and kind of play, right, in a way. Uh, so it's, it's at a very high level, but uh, in a way, it's having fun testing hypotheses and ideas that that you have. So definitely it's intellectually challenging um, and, and fun to, to do it. It's, as we spoke about before, it can be frustrating when it doesn't work. When it works, it's fantastic. So I don't think there is something more exciting than when things work. You know, I think the thrill of new knowledge is what kept me here. I mean, as I said, coming into academia for me was really my second profession and I just found I was very successful in my first one, but I just found doing this. I just love the thrill of finding things out or exploring, even, even trying to find things and understand things. It's very stimulating uh, work. That was the Peer Review Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at Peer Review Pod or check us out on Facebook. Thank you, Dario, Bronwyn and Sam for joining us on the Peer Review Podcast. Thank you.